When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, and I'm joined by Paul Hoynes from Cleveland.com, the Tribe beat writer. Uh, Paul, good to have you back from a a long weekend uh, away in the Bronx and then a trip to Milwaukee. Uh, How are you doing? Good, Joe. How are you doing, man? Real well. Uh, The the topic I wanted to talk about today on the podcast was uh, no-hitters. We've had three no-hitters so far this season. Uh, Sean Manaya from Oakland, uh, combined no-no from uh, the Dodgers in, in, uh, on their trip to Mexico City, and then uh, James Paxton, a guy who's given the Indians uh, fits already this year. Uh, did, did you think any of uh, – you know, you've seen Paxton a couple of times. Do you, did you think he had uh, no-hit stuff this year? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that Paxton did that in Toronto and uh... – you know, a Canadian native does it in his own country. And, you know, I remember something Francona was saying about Paxton. I think they faced him twice already this year. And uh, if not, they beat him at least once and uh, maybe knocked him out early. In, uh, but uh, they've done uh, – he said his stuff is so much better than his final numbers. You know, he, he raved about his stuff. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that would only go five or six innings and he'd be out of there. But obviously he put it all together. So that that doesn't surprise me at all. And and Paxton's no hitter uh, was in Toronto and that gave uh, Major League Baseball no hit games in three different countries in North America uh, in the same season that because the the Dodgers combined no hitter. Uh, was in Mexico City on one of those uh, games, sort of like the Indians took their trip to Puerto Rico. And then Oakland's was was at home with uh, with Manaya, so you've got you know three different countries represented in this no hit uh, sort of parade this year. Yeah, that's that, that's really it, it. I mean, I guess if if uh, Major League Baseball is trying to uh, expand uh, expand internationally, that's the good way to do it. You you see uh, you know the best uh, they have to offer from a pitching standpoint on in three different countries: Mexico, the U.S., and and Canada. Well, and that brings us to uh, the obvious question uh, uh, that we're going to focus on in this podcast. It's who's going to throw the next Indians no-hitter? Of course, the the anniversary of Lenny Barker's uh, perfect game, 1981, May 15th, that's coming up. Uh, So it's going on 37 years when the Indians haven't thrown a no-hitter. And there have been, you know, several and and several teams, and the Indians have been been victimized uh, in no hitters, uh, uh, famously by Jim Abbott in the Bronx. Uh, since then, uh, on this staff in this rotation right now, who do you think has the best chance to throw the next Indians no hitter? Oh boy, that's that's a great question because they've got four really good starters, and uh, you know I thought uh, Bauer uh, in in uh, Saturday in New York. I you know when when he went into the fifth inning. Uh, you know, with with a no hitter intact, his stuff was so dominant that I started looking. At, you know, it started you start the little alarm bells go off because he was really really good. Uh, but 
just from if you go by you know kind of a case history I'd say Carrasco uh, you know we've seen him come so close a few times especially in Tampa Bay a couple years ago when he had two outs and two strikes and gave up a single over a Jason Kipnis's head to lose it so uh, you know that's uh, that's my that that's who I'd put my money on because as we saw uh, Wednesday in, in Milwaukee, when he's on, I mean, you can't hit him, you, you, especially when he's changing speeds and that, that split that split finger change up, whatever he throws is on. I mean, it, it's over. I mean, he's just very, very dominant. Do you, do you remember the, uh, the name of the, the Tampa Bay hitter uh, that, that had, that broke up the no hitter for, yeah, for Carrasco too? It was Butler. Was it Butler? Joey Butler. Joey, and he ended up coming to the Indians in spring training the next year. Right, and uh, and he actually came around to score a, a run in that game. So Carrasco goes from uh, a, you know a no hitter with with two strikes and two outs in the ninth to to winning the game eight to one. But but you think about it, it, it was it was that close to to achieving sort of that goal. Uh, throw out some other names here. Uh, other Indians who have come within a whisker of, uh, you know, completing the task and, and becoming the first Indian to, to have that no-hitter since uh, Lenny Barker. Uh, 1981, May 4th, John Farrell against Kansas City. Uh, you, you, I, I don't know if you were, were uh, around or at the game. Do you, do you, I, I you can't know? remember. Farrell, was it, what year was it? 81. 81. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't remember that game. Uh, I kind of, I, you know, I, I remember him uh, coming up, but I don't remember because I started covering 83. So I don't gotcha. really reco- uh, remember that, that game. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a hint. A, a guy who would go on to be a, uh, an, an Indian in the, the Jacobs field era was the guy who broke it up for Kansas city. Oh boy. I won't let you stew too was long. Was it in the ninth inning? Uh, it was the ninth inning. Nobody, nobody out in the ninth inning. God, I can't remember that guy. Oh. It was Kevin, Kevin Seitzer. Kevin Seitzer, very Kevin good. Seitzer. All points coming through. Uh, Candiotti, Tom Candiotti in 1987 tossed a one-hitter against the Yankees on August 3rd. I, I don't know if that was uh, – he gave it up in the ninth, but uh, yeah, it was a one-hitter. So you're, you're talking knuckleball stuff. That That's like a lightning strike. If, uh, if the knuckleball guy is on that day, he can be unhittable. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, and Candiotti was – you know, he didn't just throw his knuckleball too. He threw curveballs and fastballs, but uh, he was fun to watch. He was he was he was really fun to watch. I know big time the power hitters hated facing him because they, they they were just he he just kind of had their timing all screwed up. Uh, Bartolo Colon fired a one hitter at the Yankees and Roger Clemens, uh, September eighteenth, two thousand in the Bronx. Now that that had to be a hell of a game. Yeah, I remember that game. I think. Uh, Maybe Louis Louis Soho maybe broke it up, or mm-hmm. uh, Louis Soho or Polonia. If one of those guys broke it up, and it, it was a Luis, yeah, <laughs> and uh, it was in the ninth inning, and he was dominant. He was like throwing ninety-seven miles an hour for nine innings, and uh, they he just lost it. And I remember, uh, you know, one of the scouts, Tom Giordano the Indian scout came down after watching the game and he had all the pitches charted out. He was showing me that he's throwing 98, 99, 99. And that was really a good game. That was a fun game. 
So this is that was before Statcast. So he was down. He he showed you an actual paper with the with the numbers. Yeah, on he it. had the radar gun. He had the radar gun on. So now he, nowadays he would have shown you a three dimensional diagram with the uh, you know the the brakes. That's right. Yeah. Uh, two thousand three. Do you remember the Indians pitcher? The the Indians lefty two thousand three who fired a one hit shutout against the Yankees. Billy Traber. Billy Traber, July eighth. Yeah. Uh, that's. There, there, there's a That's guy. The best who, game he ever pitched. I think, <laughs> I think he pitched that game, and everybody thought, "Oh man, we got something here." And then <laughs> Billy Traber. Yeah, that was the guy the Mets drafted in the first round, their, their first pick, and they found out he didn't have a tendon. One, it's one of the tendons in his elbow was missing. So they, they kind of, they had to rearrange the. I don't know if they, they gave him less money or they kind of got out of the deal. It was something crazy like that. He came. I think he was in the. Uh, he was in the Robbie Alomar deal, maybe, when, yeah. when, he, when they got, uh, I believe got so, him yeah. back from the Mets. Uh, and then uh, before that Carrasco no-hit uh, bid in Tampa, he had one 2011 where he struck out 15, and that was against Kansas City September 25th. Now, that might have been a case where uh, you're, you're going up against a bunch of September call-ups and you know striking out AAA guys is, isn't the same as going through a, a major league lineup. Yeah, but he, I mean, Joe, when he's on, he is really on. And uh, <laughs> I just remember in that game, that Tampa Bay game, I mean, you're sitting there, you've got your whole story written that he's got the no-hitter. He gives it up. And the thing I remember the most is, like, he was, like, applauding, into his clapping into his glove after, you know, the ball went over in the short right field. And, uh, and uh, he was like, I guess he was just kind of glad it was over or he was – happy with his performance or he was just, you know, so excited about it. But, you know, all his family and friends were there because he's, he lives near, near Tampa. And uh, so he, that was, that was a, that was a big game for him. Yeah. You've got to think that there's some sort of, uh, you know, weight lifted off your shoulder after the, the pressure of that, uh, that ball lands and you don't have to worry about the no hitter. You can just go after the next guy, but, but then, uh, you know, you, you need for him to not even get the shutout in that game. That was that's sort of, uh, you know, not oh, tra- God. Not tragic, but, you know, it really stinks. I mean, yeah, just think about that game uh, Saturday in, in the Bronx. You know, <laughs> I think he goes uh, – Brower goes from perfect game. from no. He loses the perfect game. He loses the no-hitter. He loses the shutout, and then he loses the lead. Yeah. All in, like, the span of uh, six or seven batters. And, and how many times have you seen that happen? I think once that, that kind of spell gets broken, you know, the pitcher really has to be a – strong mentally to reel it back in and just to, uh, you know, keep, keep things, you know, keep his equilibrium and, and not let his emotions get away from him. Yeah. It's enough. It's frustrating enough to make you fire your glove on the mound, isn't it? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, so the Indians have had 14 no hitters or, you know, two of those have been perfect games. Bob Feller's got the most with three, including one on opening day in 1940. Um, the it's the, this whole sort of mystique. Every, every time you think about it, you think about Bob Feller. I, I believe he had like twelve one hitters. Uh, yeah, yeah. To, to his credit, so you know, you talk about a guy who came close that many times. Carrasco's had you know a couple of one hitters, but but holy cow, uh, you know, for for Feller to have that many, you know, times where he was that close. That's uh, that that's sort of like Jack Nicholas. Uh, you know, winning the most majors, but, you know, finishing second the most times as well. 
Yeah, I remember him just talking to him, and he was talking about, you know, when he when the ball felt, he said the the baseball always felt light in his hand, but he goes, when it felt like a marble in his hand, he knew something was going to happen. You know, he knew something big was going to happen that day, and uh, he, uh, he was just uh, – he 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 was something else, man. I, I I never saw him pitch, obviously, but I would have loved to seen him pitch. All right. Uh, again, so that, that that sort of brings us back to our question uh, about who who would you said Carrasco? I'm I you know it's funny because we the Indians have Corey Kluber on staff, and he's a guy who could go out and strike out you know ten to fifteen guys in a, in any given night, any given start. And yet, neither of us sort of pick him as the the favorite to be a a, a no hit guy uh, right now, and that could change. I mean, he could. He, it's not like he's struggling right now, but he could turn around and just go on one of those dominant stretches where nobody could touch him. And it also has to do with the opponent. I mean, heck, the Indians are are playing in a division right now where no team is uh, above five hundred, and. And, you know, you've got some, uh, you know, partial AAA lineups you're facing on a daily basis. Yeah. So Kluber could catch, catch lightning at one point and, and just go through, strike out 18 again and, and not give up a hit. Yeah, I think uh, the way Kluber pitches, Joe, kind of lends itself to, to contact. You know, he throws a lot of strikes. He throws strikes early in the count. And hitters know that. And they're going to be swinging early. And I think that, you know, he has great stuff. But I think he's got to get ahead first. And then you know he strikes out a ton of people, but he he's he's um, I think he's kind of vulnerable to hits early in the count. We saw that in Milwaukee with uh, Brent uh, Suter, the pitcher. You know the mm-hmm. first pitch home run, and uh, you know that happens to him. That'll happen to him a lot. And I you know he's able to uh, adjust, but I think that's why maybe a no hitter for Kluber would be a little tougher. I think on pure stuff. Uh, with Carrasco when he's on, I mean, you know, a hitter's going to be lo- uh, fortunate to make contact. And, you know, I think an- another thing to look at is, is Kluber throwing his best pitch the most right now? Uh, I think it's been shown that, you know, he's not throwing curveballs as much right now early in the season. And that could change at some point during the season where, you know, after he's been been around the division and around the league a couple of times, he might change his strategy. But you know, when he's getting beat right now, he's getting beat on uh, you know cutters and fastballs. So that's you know that that's something to look at is is his particular approach and strategy to the hitters at this point in the season. That might change, but at some point, you know, he's he's gonna at some point he's gonna just start throwing curveball after curveball, and these guys are just gonna start fishing. And, and flailing and, and missing. So, uh, you know, we know that's coming. Uh, unless there's something, you know, physical or mechanical uh, as a reason why he's not, not throwing as many curveballs. But I, I, you know, I just want to touch on Bauer, and you mentioned Bauer's, you know, streak of retiring 12 batters in the, the game against the Yankees. And, you know, he was as on as he's ever been in that stretch. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a matter of does Bauer, you know, if he doesn't tinker so much, if he doesn't nibble so much and, you know, and try to outsmart the hitter and, and just trust his stuff and minimize his pitch count, he could, he could last through, you know, you know, still have his good stuff late in the game and, and, and be a guy who could potentially throw a no hitter. But I think, uh, I think from the shoulders up uh, is where, 
where Bauer might get to that point in the ninth, eighth or ninth inning and where it might just overwhelm him. Well, yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, that's a fair point. Uh, I think uh, the, the thing that's impressed me with Bauer, you know, the last two or three years, you know, be, when he first came up, you know, he would, uh, it was a tendency to walk the ballpark. You know, he, he, he walked so many people that he was out of the game in the third or fourth inning. He's really controlled that. He's really cut down his walks over the last two or three years. He's thrown a lot more strikes. I think the slider, you know, when it's on has helped him this year. Uh, and he, and the thing that favors him, I mean, if he can get, you know, get into the seventh inning with a reasonable number of pitches, a hundred pitches or 105 pitches, you know, this guy can, <laughs> I mean, uh, he'll throw 120 pitches. He'll throw 125 pitches and keeps still keep his stuff. And, and Francona has given him a little longer leash lately. So I, I, I think he's, I think he's got the potential to do it. I, I just, uh, you know, you got to do it first. You know, you got to get there first. You got to throw a one hitter. You got to throw a two hitter. You got to, you know, and he certainly can strike people out. So he's got the, that ability. Um, and I think he's learning to get quicker outs. And uh, when he doesn't, he knows, you know, when he, when you talk to him after a game, like he breaks it down, he knows what he did right and wrong. Uh, a couple more points I want to get to. Uh, Carrasco, we know if, if Carrasco is going to have uh, a no hitter to his ledger, uh, the chances are pretty good it's going to be on the road, right? Yeah, that's right. He is. A, he's a much better. Uh, I mean, what, what what was he last year? Like twelve and 0, 12 and two, fourteen and something on the road. Some crazy, crazy number. Yeah, he, he's among the best pitchers in the league, and and again this year, uh, you know, right up there with the the best road pitchers in baseball. Um, and the other point I wanted, you know, a guy like Clevenger, a young guy who's, like you said, still still working on finishing hitters off and, and minimizing that pitch count that way. Um, but he certainly has strikeout stuff. And, you know, and we saw in Baltimore, uh, he's got the potential to, at least to go deep in a game with, with no hit stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, definitely what he had a two hitter again in Baltimore, you know, the thing that impresses me about Clevenger, he, he can keep the ball down at the bottom of the strike zone and he gets so much movement that, uh, the hitters can't help themselves but swing uh, where he runs into trouble. And it happens with a lot of younger guys or less experienced guys is when, you know, one thing goes wrong in an inning and, and it starts to snowball on you and you can't put the brakes on. And before you know it, you're out of the, you're not, you're out of the game. And I've seen it happen with, you know, Cliff Lee and, and CC Sabathia, you know, all, all it takes, you know, Sheldon Oker uh, who used to cover the Indians, uh, for the Akron Beacon Journal, and is going into the Hall of Fame this this uh, in June or at the end of July this year. Um, he always said it took about five years for a pitcher really to to learn how to pitch. And you know, I, I was I was a little skeptical of that early, but I I think he was right. I think you know you got to be around, you got to experience everything that a pitcher can experience, a starting pitcher especially, and then you know you learn how to how to survive and how to. Uh, you know, it's not the end of the world if this guy gets a hit or if that guy gets a hit. You can still get out of the inning. How to, how to you know, pitch into trouble and out of trouble. All right. Finally, uh, as far as looking beyond just the, the top four in the Indian starting rotation, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, get too speculative or crazy or anything like that, but uh, as far as guys who could potentially throw the next Indians no-hitter, and we're talking down the line maybe a year or two or, or three, uh, uh, names like Shane Bieber come up and, uh, 
uh, Tristan McKenzie, who's, you know, uh, still fighting through some stuff on a DL. Uh, Adam Plutko was up. These are guys who, uh, you know, as far as Plutko and Bieber are concerned, these are guys who are more pitch-to-contact guys, so the chances of them being no-hitter guys are, are pretty low. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's a uh, – is there a Bartolo Colon in, in, in the system right now, a guy that's going to throw 100 and it's going to blow you away? McKenzie's probably the closest to that. I think he's got a lot – you know, strikeout stuff. But, uh, you know, Colon, Jarrett Wright, CeCe Sabathia, I don't see those kind of pitchers in the system right now. Uh, so, uh, you know, who knows? You know, maybe, maybe Bieber's the guy. Maybe that kind of thing is – maybe he's, you know, a, a step or two away. But – I don't know if there's guys with overwhelming stuff, and I think you you really need that to 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 have a chance to throw a no hitter. Yeah, the uh, I think the the wind would have to be blowing the right way, and the umpire would have to be uh uh um you know have to have a hot date after the ball game <laughs> in order for uh for uh, Shane Bieber to get uh, get the next Indians no hitter. All right, well uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, We've got the uh, the Royals in town this weekend, and uh, then a, a trip to good old Chicago, back to Wrigley Field. Following that up next week, uh, Paul, uh, uh, you know, good to talk to you, and we will uh, we'll see you at the park again this week. Okay, Joe. Thanks, man.